0: Podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope and purpose. I've been reading a lot about Peter in the Bible, and one of my he's turning into one of my favorite people to learn about and to read about just because of his story and his story of redemption and and we're going to get into all of that, but um, lately as I've been reading, it, God has really been speaking to me both um, about Peter, but also about Judas, um, you know, who betrayed Jesus and Peter who denied Jesus right before he was crucified. And so these past few months, I guess, um, I've just been reading all of the Gospels and um The story about that. And it's interesting how each gospel kind of talks about the same thing, but in a different way. Um, But anyway, so that's what I want to talk about tonight, is just looking at Peter and Judas and their stories, and how they had very different endings um, to their lives, um, but what we can learn from that. And I know both, this whole thing is stuff that we've all heard a million times. We've all heard about Judas denying or Peter denying God and Judas betraying Jesus and um, but I just want to see if we can think about that kind of in a new way in a new light tonight. For most of it we're going to be in Matthew chapter 26 but we are going to jump around a little bit with my OCD it drives me crazy but (laughs) um, the more I prayed about it there's just such good stuff in the different Gospels. And so we're gonna be mostly in Matthew tonight, a little bit in John, a little bit in Acts. So just so you guys know, um, tell you ahead of time, you can flip to those. To start off, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 26. That's where uh, most of tonight we're gonna be. Um, so I'm just gonna read a couple different parts, I'm just starting off where Jesus is predicting what both of these men are going to do. Um, just to kind of start us off. So I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 26, verse 20. It says, when evening had come, he had sat down with the twelve. And this is at um, when they're celebrating Passover before Jesus is crucified. So it says, when evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, You have said it. And then I'm going to jump down a little bit to verse 31, same chapter. Um, And it says, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. And so that's just a little background into our story that we all know, and we all know that uh, Peter did not do what he (laughs) said, and uh, Judas did do exactly what Jesus said that he would do. But as we look at this and look deeper into the story, I think there's a few things that we can learn from this, and I'm sure there's many, but um, we're going to talk about three tonight. And so the first one that we can learn is that we cannot turn a blind eye to our temptations and then be surprised when we are drowning in sin. And what I mean by that is, we all know that we all have different temptations in life and different things affect different ones of us differently. And they, we're talking about things that aren't necessarily a sin, whether that's TV shows, music, w- books we're reading, whatever that may be, it's not a sin but it can be a temptation to us. And to others it may not be, but to us it can. And if we are to recognize that, oh, that's kind of leading me down the wrong path, but we brush that under the rug and we don't deal with it, then we can't be surprised when however long down the road we're drowning in sin because of that thing that started it. And so um, this applies for both Judas and Peter. So looking at Judas first, his temptation started with money. Um, He was greedy and deceitful. So I'm going to flip to John. We're going to look at uh, chapter 12. And so where we are now, this was earlier than what we just read. And this is with um, known when Mary anoints Jesus. So we're going to look chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. And it says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat in the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, "'Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor?' This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. And so this gives us a little bit of background before Judas is to um, hand Jesus over. It's showing a little bit of his heart and a little glimpse into that and his love for money. So this tells us that Judas had stole out of the money box continuously uh, for himself and that his love for money was already starting to blind him. I think this story puts it perfectly, that you have Mary, who sees, knows who Jesus is, and sees this precious moment that she has with him, takes her costly oil, anoints his feet, wipes it with her hair. And at the exact same time, you have Judas, who is in the same situation with her, could have done the exact same thing or something similar, but instead, all he is thinking of is the money that's being wasted because of this fragrant oil that she was using. Instead of recognizing who Jesus was, he only focused on worldly gains for himself. And that greed is one of the things that led to the betrayal of Jesus. Um, if we go back to Matthew um, chapter 26, it's looking at verse um fourteen and sixteen it says. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him thirty pieces of silver. So from that time he saw opportunity to betray him. So again, it's that temptation is just showing this line and this story of what happened with it and what it did to Judas, this love for money. Um, so at this point he has now said he went to the chief priest it was his decision and he said okay what will you give me if I hand over Jesus to you I know you've been wanting a reason to arrest him if I help you what will you give me and then also if we look still chapter 26 jump down to verse 47 through 50 it says and this is um after, so after they had done the Passover and Jesus was praying in the garden, it says, and while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the 12 with a great multitude with swords and clubs came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one Seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And that's what it led to: his love of money. Um, Peter had temptations as well. His were a little different, but his started with pride. Um, he was quick to anger, as we'll see, and he was self-centered, um, focusing on himself. So again, ju- jumping back to uh, John, the book of John, looking at chapter ele- excuse me, uh, chapter 18. it says. Um, we are looking at uh, verse 10. Um, this is right after that happened when Judas had handed him over. It says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and stuck, struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup from which my father had given me? And that is just a little glimpse, one of the things I've overlooked before. In the other Gospels, it just says that one of the disciples cut off the ear. But I think it's interesting that in John, they specifically said that it was Peter. And he acted out without thinking about it. And we know that because we know Jesus didn't tell him to do that. Jesus did not tell them to fight the guards. Jesus knew what was going to happen, and he knew that he was going to give himself over to them. But Peter, and who knows, um, we know that Jesus had told the disciples what was going to happen, but we know because of that second part that Jesus said, put your sword back into its sheath. He even healed the man with his ear cut off, but he was saying, this has to happen, and I didn't tell you to defend me. But Peter acted out, and he immediately became defensive. And in the same way, It was the same way when they were eating the Last Supper. And Jesus said that one of you is going to deny me. And he said, I would never deny you. I will die with you if I have to. I will never deny you. And Jesus said, you are the one who is going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And so immediately in both cases, Peter became defensive. And he acted on emotion in both of those cases. But when Peter came face to face with his weakness, he gave in and did exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. Um, if you look, st- Matthew, back to Matthew, ch- still chapter 26, uh, verse 69 through 74, it says, uh, this was after Jesus was taken by the guards, and it says, Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know who, who uh, excuse me what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath, saying, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you are also one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. I think it's interesting in the book of Matthew that it says that third time that Peter began to curse and swear when they said, You know Jesus. That is how adamant he was and emotional he was, saying, I do not know the man. And it was right after that that the rooster crowed three times and he realized that he had done exactly what he swore to Jesus that he would not do. And looking at these in how they had weaknesses, both Peter and Judas, but they didn't, um, in a sense, take control of them. They didn't ask for God's help to deal with them. Um, I think it's interesting to think that how many times have we ignored the choice, the chance to anoint Jesus with our oil but instead focused on what we can gain from the world. And today as I was praying about it, I was thinking how many times did I have a quiet time to myself when I could have just prayed to God, read his word, you know, worshiped him, but instead quickly found something else to do, whether that was on social media or watching TV or going somewhere or doing something with friends or whatever, but filled that time immediately. But what if that was a time that Jesus had cut out specifically for us? And it was my job to know that and to use that in a sense of like using the oil, using what I have my time to anoint Jesus. And then how many times, like Peter, do we let our pride drown out our humbleness? How many times do we need to recognize our weakness and say, you're right and I'm wrong? but instead we become defensive. We don't wanna be wrong, we never wanna be wrong. Um, I know that very well. (laughs) Um, But instead of being humble, we are just defensive. But if we don't recognize and ask God to help us overcome our weaknesses, we're eventually gonna make choices that will lead us directly into sin, just like these two men did. And so that's the first thing that I think we can learn. The second thing is that only knowing who God is will not lead to eternal life. And I know (laughs) that's a very uh, risky thing to say, I guess. (laughs) Um, But let me explain what I mean. What I'm saying is that knowing who God is, like a definition of him, um, is very different than having a relationship with him. And they are very, very different things. And I think when we look at Peter and Judas, it is the perfect picture of that because they both knew who Jesus was. But did they know Jesus in their heart? And so we're going to look, Matthew 26, still going back a little bit to verse 25. Says, um, we had read it before, but this was during the Last Supper when it says, Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, You have said it. It's super interesting here that Judas called him rabbi. Um, Rabbi is a name meaning for like a Jewish teacher, Um, but earlier it said in verse 22, after Jesus had said that one of them was gonna betray him, all the disciples, it said, and they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? They called Jesus Lord, and Judas called him Rabbi. Lord is recognizing Jesus' power and authority, and they knew who he was at this point. Earlier in the gospel, they didn't, but the disciples knew at this point, except for Judas. Judas saw him as a teacher. He saw him as someone with wisdom and who was very smart, Um, but he did not see him as Lord. He saw him as rabbi. And I think if Judas truly knew who Jesus was, it makes me wonder, would he have betrayed him? And I mean, I I think the answer would have to be no. (laughs) If you know Jesus and you love him, just like any of your loved ones here, would you hand them over? Of course not. But it's because Jesus didn't know Jesus. Um, Then we look at Peter. And going back a little bit in Matthew, looking at chapter 16, um, we are going to look at uh, verses 13 through 19. And uh, this was earlier, of course, um, before this was a ways of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Um, Peter, at this point, which was even before. So at this point, you know, at the Last Supper, all of the disciples were calling him Lord. All of them were realizing who Jesus was at this point. But this is even sooner. And before this, the disciples, when Jesus asks, Who are you? They're saying, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, and he's asking, no, but who am I? Testing them, wanting to know, do you realize yet who I am? And Peter, out of all the 12, said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, because he knew who he was. And Peter recognized who Jesus truly was, while the others still weren't quite there yet and viewed him as a prophet. And that's very different how him and Judas reacted to Jesus. And I think that one of the most dangerous lies that we can tell ourselves is that going to church, reading the Bible, reciting Bible verses will save us a spot in heaven. And again, I know that's a very controversial thing to say. I know there's people um, who believe differently, but going from the word and what Jesus tells us Salvation is not just merely knowing who Jesus is. It's recognizing what he has done for us and desiring to intimately know and love him and to grow closer to him every single day. Being saved is about having a relationship with Jesus. And there are people, there's people we know. You could say the president. You know who the president is. You know what he does. You know a little about his past. You know these things. But do you have a relationship with him? If so, that's very. we should talk. <laughs> um, but no, it's a very, very different thing. And you know, going to church and reading the Bible and knowing his word will absolutely help us grow closer to God and deepen our relationship with him. And so they are things we need to do. Please don't get me wrong in saying that those aren't important things. Absolutely, we need to be doing those um, because they're gonna help us deepen that relationship. But if we are only doing those things to check it off the list and to say, I'm a Christian, so I have to read my Bible. I have to read three verses a day or whatever, a chapter a day. That's not what God has asked of us. And that's not what we should want. And it makes me, all through my life, I had, I really struggled with this because people say, if you accept Jesus, you're going to heaven. And again, I know this is a controversy and you could go so much deeper into it. But I just think to myself, if I accepted Jesus when I was a kid and lived an entire life in sin, didn't ever do anything again that had to do with Jesus, will I go to heaven? And the thing that just keeps coming to me is, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And that's where I have, I've found peace in that knowing, like, if I truly have had an encounter with Jesus Christ and know what he has done for me and know what he did on the cross and that I am saved, the least I can do is read the word. The least I can do is go to church and learn about him, and I want to do that because I want to deepen my relationship with him, if that makes sense. Like, that is the difference between Judas and Peter. Peter knew Jesus and wanted to know him even closer and deepen that relationship with him. And we have to learn that, that we need to seek that with Jesus. Every single day, we need to be seeking to deepen that relationship. Because I know for me, it is easy to get in a rut um, and just kind of go through the motions without the right reasoning behind it. And I have to be so careful with that. And I think we all do. Um, And just studying this, that's what it's showing me, Um, just how important it is to know our God. And the more we know God and his character— that we learn from praying to him and reading his word and learning about him, the more we can better understand God's grace and his forgiveness. And that's gonna lead to the third point so that we can learn is that God's forgiveness should empower us in the future and not hold us back in the past. Um, So still in Matthew, I'm gonna jump to chapter 27, verse three through five. And so this was um, after Jesus had been delivered to Pilate after he had been betrayed by Judas. It says, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And that's a pretty sad end to his story. But, When Judas Judas had recognized what he had done and who Jesus was and realizing that um, this was an innocent man that I just betrayed and he didn't do anything wrong, he did what all of us actually deserve, and that's death. And it's hard to think of it, but as terrible as Judas and his choices sound, he did the exact same thing that we purposefully do time after time after time. We put sin and personal gain before our Lord Jesus Christ, and the penalty to that should be death. And that's another thing that it's easy for us to do. You know, it's so easy to categorize sin and rank it based on its severity, and saying, okay, Jesus gave him over, or I mean, excuse me, Judas gave him over to be crucified. I told a white lie at work. Like, those aren't quite the same. And people can say, okay, yeah, I did do this one thing, but I didn't murder somebody. I didn't kill somebody. Like, there's different consequences to that because just like we are in America, there's different consequences depending on what crime you commit. But never does it say that in the Bible. It says that the penalty, that sin is sin and the penalty is death. And so what we do to Jesus a lot of the time is the same thing that Judas did to him and we cannot categorize sin. And Judas's choices and his ultimate end are a perfect example of what our lives would be. If Jesus had not died on that cross, we should have the exact same end as Judas did. Not per se that we would kill ourselves, but we our lives should end in death because of the sinful nature and the people we are. But Jesus, that's if Jesus hadn't finished the story which leads us to Peter. And Jesus knew Peter's heart, and even though he knew what Peter would do, he knew Peter would deny him, Jesus still chose to offer forgiveness instead of death. And so going back to John, we're gonna look at chapter 21. We're looking at verse 15. So at this point, this is after Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has risen from the dead. Um, Jesus has shown himself to the disciples, um, you know, and proved that I am Jesus. Looking, so verse, chapter 21, verse 15, it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger and you girded yourself and walked where you wished, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And I love this part of the story. Jesus had forgiven Peter. He had already done it, it was done. He had cleaned the slate but Peter had not forgiven himself yet. And if you just think about that, at the place Peter was before Jesus had even been crucified, at the point when Peter denied knowing him, he's not with Jesus anymore. He knows what's about to happen. And as the words came out of his mouth, it said, and the rooster crowed, it said that he was in so much grief because of what he said. And it said he wept bitterly. And can you imagine how that would fit dead? He's come back. He's proved that he is Christ, who Peter knew he was. And Jesus has come, and he's with all the disciples and telling them, you know, um, what is yet to come and all of this. But you know, because this is put in the Gospels, that Peter is still stuck in where he was. He was still grieving over what he did. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Peter denied Jesus three times But Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And I think in a sense, it is telling Peter, I have forgiven you. I know what you did and I know how you feel, but I have forgiven that you have denied me and I know you love me, Peter. He knew the answer to this, but he wanted Peter to know the answer. And he wanted Peter to know that Jesus himself knew the answer. And just because, you know, just because God forgives our shortcomings, it doesn't mean that we don't have to face the consequences of our choices. I don't, I don't want that to come off with what I'm saying. I don't, I also know that God made it, you know, if we ask for forgiveness, it says that they, we are, our slate is wiped clean and they forget about that sin, but we don't forget about the sin. And I think that's an interesting point to think about. You know, if we were to have forgotten it, we would do the exact same thing over and over and over again because we're people. <laughs> and we are humans, unfortunately. But God makes it so that we remember what we did so that we can learn from it and move on. Um, But there's a difference between that and learning from it and also dwelling in it and being stuck in that sin and not being able to move forward. Peter had still grieved over what he had done to Jesus, but Jesus showed him that God's grace had covered him and made him new. And that is important that just like Peter, we can move forward, and so if we flip to Acts, the other best part of the story. Um, looking at chapter two, so um, this is when the the disciples are going out into the nations. They're spreading. They're starting to spread the gospel. They've been filled by the Holy Spirit. Um, Acts two, verse fourteen. They're in front of a big crowd, and it says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. And in these next 30 plus verses, he goes on with his first sermon here, telling them who Jesus is and what salvation is and, the, and what Jesus can do, that Jesus has saved them. And if we look down, skip down to verse 40, and 41, at the end, when he's done with this sermon, it says, "And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, "Be saved from this perverse generation." Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And this is coming from Peter, who had sinned against Jesus, had denied Jesus, had done all of these things, but 3,000 people were saved from the word he spoke. And if Peter had been stuck in his sin and kept just going over in his head and over and over and just, I am a sinner and I've done so much wrong and there's no way I can be saved even though Jesus said that and I just, I'm not good enough, I can't speak, I can't do all of these things, those 3,000 people and however many thousands after that would never have been saved. And it's such a beautiful story of redemption. Peter's life became an anthem to God, and he lived his life devoted to pursuing Jesus, even until he died being crucified. And I mean, that's a sign that Peter had said, like, Jesus, I am all in for you. I know, And, and don't get me wrong, Peter, it's not that Peter never sinned again, and Peter didn't do things wrong because he did. But he knew who Jesus was. He knew that Jesus forgave him on that cross, And that Jesus had a plan for his life. And Peter let God's grace and redemption define him and not his sin. And so it makes me ask, is God trying to use our past sins to bring redemption to someone's future? And I think sins in our life are one of those things that we don't want to talk about. We don't want to look back on because, of course, we feel guilty for them. We're ashamed of what we have done. But can God use that? Absolutely. And he a hundred percent will redeem you for that. And he not only that, he will use it to change other people's lives. And it just makes you wonder how did Peter ever tell that story to other people? You know, did Peter say what he had done, but then what Jesus said what Jesus had done after that about forgiving him? And so have we forgiven ourselves just as Jesus has? If we are stuck in a constant replay of what God has already forgiven us of, We are denying the very gospel itself. And we have to realize that, that Jesus did not die on the cross to just point out our sins and trespasses. It wasn't just a way of saying to bring everything to light. He died to cleanse us of them. He died to forgive us. So if we cannot accept that, and we cannot accept his forgiveness, we are denying the gospel of Jesus dying for us. And I I sometimes don't think about that, you know? like you think that, yes, I have to keep, you know, being remorseful for this, which in a sense is true, because we don't want to go back and do the sin that we committed, 100%, and that's why we need to think of that, but we also have to know and declare and say, I was wrong, and I did something that was wrong, but I am forgiven and free of that, and then we move forward with God's plan for our life, and so let us live a life that is fueled by that redemption. And that's kinda what I titled this talk, is just fueled by redemption. And I think, you know, looking at Judas and Peter, their lives ended, I mean, obviously both ended with death, but in very different ways. And Judas, it's um, very sad, but we need to learn from that. It's, that's why it's in the word. And we need to be like Peter and have in a sense of having that relationship with God and knowing Jesus and um, wanting to constantly grow closer to him. And so it leads me to the conclusion of asking, where are we in life right now? Are we playing around with temptations that we know are pulling us away from God? Are we doing things that, sure, they may not be a sin per se, but we know that we struggle with them. And we are purposefully, knowing that we struggle, but we are purposefully still doing them, are we on that road to sin? Second, are we only going through the motions of Christianity while our soul still remains empty and dry? Have we ever had a true encounter with our holy God? You know, a lot of my childhood, I did just go through the motions. Yeah, I had accepted Jesus, but I thought you had to read the Bible just because you had to. I hated reading it. <laughs> Part of the time, I hated going to church. I hated all these things. And it's because I had never had a true encounter with Jesus Christ. And if you have not, I pray that tonight that will happen. Because when we know God, you guys, and you, most of you know this, like, the least we can do is serve him and pursue him and follow him with our whole heart. And so the last question to ask is, are we allowing ourselves to constantly be ashamed by that which God has already forgiven us? And that's something else that I know I have to remember that. And I have to remember that I am forgiven and made new because of what Jesus did on that cross. And that like Peter, God has such a plan for all of us, for all of our lives, and there is a legacy for us to live, but we cannot do all these things that God has planned for us if we're still in the past, and we can't move from that. I want to take this time right now to just pray to God and to just ask him, say, is there anything in my heart right now I need to recognize and say, God, please help me to get over this temptation and to get it out of my life and help me to start down a different path. Or pray, Jesus, I want an encounter with you. I want to know you. I have just been going through the motions, but Lord, I don't want that anymore. I want to grow closer to you. I want you in my life. And also to pray and ask, is there anything, search your hearts and just say, is there anything that you cannot get over where you have asked for forgiveness and maybe you need to maybe there's a sin and you need to ask God for forgiveness right now forward from and ask Jesus for his help because he will help us because I want us to learn from Judas and Peter and live the legacy that Jesus created us for the very last thing I'm going to read is in 1st Peter chapter 1 verses 13 through 21 it says Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves... who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. God, we just come before you today and we thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins, Jesus. God, I pray tonight that the Holy Spirit just continue to fill this room. And as we worship Jesus And just pray out to you, Lord. I pray that you help all of us to see, point out anything in our life that is hindering us from pursuing you right now, Jesus. And God, I pray that you remove that from our life. Help us to turn a complete path, down a complete different path, to go fully towards you 100% and not be overtaken by these um, temptations that are of the world, Jesus. And God, I pray right now that if there is anyone who has not had a divine encounter by you, if there is anybody who says, but on paper, I know who you are, but in my heart, I've never met you. I don't know you. God, I pray right now that you just come through them, come into their heart, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit just engulfs them and just shows them the love of Jesus Christ and who you are and the plans you have for us, Jesus. And God, I pray that um, if there is anything that we cannot move past, Lord, that you help reveal to us that you have forgiven our sins, that you have forgiven our trespasses, and that because of your death on the cross and your resurrection, we are forgiven and we can walk fully in you, fully saved because of your death, Jesus. And I just pray in these next few minutes, God, that we all have an encounter with you, Jesus, and that we can just pray and speak to you from our hearts, God, and that you speak to our hearts as well. Lord, and I just thank you for this time with you, and God, I pray that never again will we miss the time to anoint you with our oil. Never again will we be distracted by the world And put that above you and over time with you, Jesus. Because all we want is to serve you. No matter the outcome, no matter what the end is, Jesus. That is what we want in our life. And so I thank you for every person here, Jesus. And I just pray blessings over every single one of them. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up, lift up my heart.